0: Hello, and welcome to another magnificent episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization, using none other than a combination of old-school wisdom and new brief tactics to help achieve this end. My name is Sim, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Reprogramming Yourself. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that I think is a bit overlooked in personal development and one that's rooted in psychology, physiology, and even philosophy. And that topic is mental programming and reprogramming. And if you're into any self-development of any kind, you've probably already heard about this. And in fact, I wrote an entire article some time ago, touching on it from the angle of what is called auto-suggestion. But to be honest, guys, you know, this is where it all starts, and this is pretty much the foundation of any success and achievement you'll have in your life. But first, let's set stage for this discussion. Have you ever asked yourself why some people seem to be happier, more positive, more life-giving, Than other people? Have you ever wondered why two people have two polar opposite reactions to the same information or stimuli? And this is because this is dependent on how we're programmed. All of us are programmed in a certain way, and it doesn't matter whether you want to be programmed or not, you've had beliefs, concepts, and ideas planted into your subconscious mind, which is the origin of your habits and everything you do on an automatic and daily basis, pretty much. And this programming starts very early, from the day we're born, actually. As kids, our minds and our brains are very open to influence. We rely on people older than us to guide us through the world because we're literally helpless And naturally, we start gaining all sorts of impressions from our immediate environment. So we're sucking in all of this information at a very, very high level. Our parents tell us, do this, don't do that. Our teachers tell us, do this, don't do that. Our peers tell us, do this, don't do that. And over time, as we get input from our environment, seeds are planted. Seeds are planted into the fertile soil of our young minds, and since we don't get guidance on how to tend to our minds, most of us don't at least, all sorts of seeds get planted and all sorts of things crop up over time. Some of them are good, but let's be honest, many of them are not so good. Many of them turn to what are known as self-limiting beliefs, and eventually self-fulfilling prophecies. So it's no wonder that someone who was told by his mother, oh, you're just like your father, turns out to be just like his father, because he was told that over and over and over again, and that identity was solidified via the process of suggestion. So over the course of your life, over the course of many years, and this is a slow process, over the course of these years and decades, you start to gather all of this data and all of these impressions from your environment, and you start to solidify them into a paradigm, a mental model of how you think the world works and does work. And I talked about this in the episode on Frame. This mental model and how, you're, how, how you think the world works really gets solidified in your younger adult years. And then you start using that as a way to gauge how different things are going to act in the world. So, for example, let's say you have a mental model of getting into a car and driving. If your early experiences with driving are positive, then you're going to have the mental model of, oh, every time I step into a car, I'm going to have a positive driving experience and I'm going to get to my destination in one piece. But if you had the experience, very traumatic experience of, let's say, getting to an accident or something bad happening when you first start driving, you'll always have that mental model of cars, vehicles, transportation. I can't pilot them effectively or they can't be trusted. And I knew someone who had this crippling belief for many years and he was forced to confront that. When he drove to a city, when he moved to a city where driving was an essential, it was pretty much mandatory um, to know how to drive. So he had to get over that pretty much fear of driving. And it was a long process, but his mental model was solidified from an early age because he had a bad experience with driving in the beginning. So, on the physical level, for this mental model, your brain is creating neural pathways dedicated to certain thoughts, behaviors, beliefs, and so on. The more they're reinforced, the stronger and harder they are to break. Your brain is very energy conservative, so it wants to hang on to whatever neural pathways it has while not creating new ones, and it will do whatever it can to not do that process of creating new neural pathways. And this process is referred to as myelination, which means that Every time you perform an action, um, your brain starts to coat a neural pathway that's dedicated to that action in something that's called a myelin sheath. And a myelin sheath is an insulation around that neural pathway that allows the electrical signal in the brain to fire faster because myelin allows um, electrical impulses in the brain to fire faster. And... This process is very energy intensive, and obviously your brain does not want to do that, so it will do anything to prevent myelination, especially past a certain age, when it doesn't really need to do that. And this is why many habits are hard to break and hard to start, because the brain just doesn't want to dedicate the energy resources to start that neural creation and destruction process. So this means it's possible to have habits that you created when you were a teenager stick all the way around into your 30s, into your 40s, and so on because of habits being difficult to break. So for me personally, I'm in an age now where I know people who have literal addictions that they developed in their teens stick around because it's so difficult to get rid of them. It's just easier to end up living with them, quote-unquote easier, to end up living with them and... These people live with them, so they create lifestyle adjustments and compensation centering around accommodating these addictions and destructive bad habits. And again, you don't realize you're doing this because this is a very slow process. But here's an easy example of that. This would be a guy who has a drug or alcohol addiction that he developed in his teens, and now he's in his 30s. And obviously, as you get older, your responsibilities and your obligations increase so this guy's obligations have increased. He has a girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever. He's probably middle management in his job. And may, he may even have a child in the way. He may be a homeowner. And he's doing the whole quote-unquote adulting thing. So he's doing all this stuff. He has all of these responsibilities. But he still hasn't addressed this issue. And he still hasn't essentially reprogrammed himself. So instead of doing these things every day like he used to, probably has a session once every two weeks or once a month. And he thinks he's got it under wraps because his frequency has declined. But what has actually happened is that he's regressed to a lower stage of the quote-unquote addiction. And people who are in the addiction recovery community are very familiar with this. And this is called an addiction cycle. So let's say something happens at work or something happens at home. And boom, emotions come flooding in. That's the trigger. So that's when he reaches for something to regulate his mood, regulate his emotions that he's feeling. So he starts reaching for the bottle or he starts hitting the bong or he starts driving to the other side of town to get a substance, whatever. Whatever method he does to regulate these emotions that he pretty much didn't have any way to solve or pretty much... Yeah, pretty much compensating for a lack of emotional energy management so this guy goes on a several day binge. the emotions get suppressed below consciousness and then he's back in day-to-day mode it's like nothing happened and i knew someone like this he went off the map for several days nobody could get in contact with him but i knew what was going on nobody could get in contact with him. people were freaking out but then he popped up popped back up he was just like hey You know, I'm back. And, you know, we both knew what happened. And he just went on like normal. But this, obviously, since things are progressive, unless he addresses that issue that he had where he went off the map for a several-day bender, he's going to come back. And then the next time he goes into that, it's going to be longer and it's going to be more intense. So... This is how addiction progresses, but that's another conversation. And this may sound extreme, but this is actually really common, more common than you would think. It's just that a lot of people use socially acceptable ways to deal with this. Like, for example, the person who has a borderline alcohol addiction, or he's quote-unquote alcoholic, but he's still able to maintain. There's been a lot of people who were in their 50s, 60s, whatever, and they were alcoholics, but they were able to write it out because alcohol is socially acceptable. It's a socially acceptable substance to deal with a lot of issues that people have. So smoking cigarettes, and now we're getting to a point where marijuana is becoming more socially acceptable to deal with things. But you can use all these substances, you can use all these things, but you still haven't dealt with with the reason why you turn to these substances in the first place for emotional regulation. But again, that's a different subject, and I don't want to go off into a tangent. So this cycle of whatever you may use for escaping emotions, whatever you may use from escaping powerful feelings, could be video games, could be pornography, could be internet surfing, it could be junk food, it could be whatever... This will continue until you make the conscious decision to reprogram yourself. And as an adult, one of the most difficult things and one of the most impactful things you can do is to reprogram yourself. Because think about all the garbage and the noise and the nonsense and the traumatic events, let's be honest, that have happened to you since you were a child and all the things you've been told over and over and over and over again for years, how much of that did you believe? How much of that did you take personally? How much of that did you take and run with? And if you're like many people, I'm willing to bet it was a lot of it, right? You were programmed in a certain way for certain responses to, let's say you you grew up in an abusive environment. Child abuse is common, unfortunately, but you programmed yourself to behave in a certain way. Maybe you didn't speak out when father or mother was going on one of her rants and, you know, let's say your parents were fighting, you didn't speak up, um, you were getting bullied at school, you suppressed your personality. All of these things, they become personality traits. So you just think, I'm a quiet guy, or I'm just someone who doesn't speak his mind a lot, or whatever it can be. It can be anything. So you've taken that on as a personality trait. But again, you were programmed that way. And reprogramming, this conscious reprogramming is not something that's going to happen on its own because the nature of the mind and the nature of the brain is compulsive. The mind and the brain want to keep doing what they're doing. and They'll never stop doing what they're doing until there's a pattern interrupt. And this is one of the reasons why so many people live lives where they don't like living, And they don't stretch towards all that they're capable of because reprogramming yourself is difficult. It's damn hard. It doesn't deliver instant gratification like a lot of things in the world do. So when you're given the choice of taking the easy route of let's just sit on the couch, have a beer, watch some TV versus doing the hard work of reprogramming yourself and meditating and centering on your goals, doing things that don't have any immediate immediate payoff, most people will, will take the former, not the latter. And let's be honest, when you've been doing a certain thing or thinking in a certain way for years and decades on end, it has a type of momentum that's not easy to stop. It's like a train coming to a complete stop. If that train has been going 80 to 85 miles an hour for miles on end, it's not just going to come to a complete stop all at once and that's the same with you. If someone is a perpetually negative person, they're not going to be bobby bright eyes in the span of two weeks. That's not reality. It's not that it couldn't happen, but it most likely won't happen for many people. So reprogramming yourself is a longer term endeavor, but it's something that's well worth it. And if you do want to reprogram yourself or want to start this process of reprogramming yourself, I have several pieces of, of advice for that I want to talk about um, real quick. And let's get into these. The first would be to write down all of the things you want to change on paper or put it somewhere where it's physically accessible. Make it a session because you can think and think and think and think and think about what you want to change. Say, oh, this would be nice. This would be great, etc., etc., but unless it's solidified somewhere, unless you can come back to it after that emotion or thought is passed, it's it's like water. It's like water in the desert or something like that. It will just dry up. Because anybody can be motivated to change after they get inspired from, you know, some type of event or some type of thing they see and witness, but how's it going to be 10 days later, 20 days later? Because again, if it's not written down, if it's not something where you can hold yourself to task, your mind will have the tendency to push it in the background and procrastinate on it. Because again, the mind does not like change because that requires being uncomfortable. But this is what I did many years ago. And this is what I still do to today. But this is what I did, especially many years ago. I had a bunch of things that I want to change about myself. But I realized that they wouldn't change just by thinking about them. So I wrote them out. I brought out the shadows. I brought out all my good habits and my bad habits out of the shadows. And said, you know, this is what I want to change. This is what I want to be after X amount of time. So let's say you have a thought oh, I wish I was better at public speaking. Okay, that thought, unless you write it down or note it, is going to disappear from your mind like water in the desert unless you write it down or type it out or put it somewhere, right? So keep this running list and then make sure you don't lose that list. Put it somewhere where you know it's easily accessible. So write it down, make sure it's on a list, and then make a plan to address that. So that's the first one. Write it down. The second one is to identify your triggers. So here's another example. Let's say you go out with a friend or a group of friends. This friend or your friends are social. They're laughing. They're having a great time. They're joking. They're meeting new people. Lots of social fluidity in this environment. Meanwhile, you're having a mini panic attack because you're socially anxious You feel overloaded by the sounds and the music and you end up getting stuck in your head. So we have a trigger here. The trigger is the loud music and massive amounts of people at this venue. And that trigger brings up an emotional response in you. Meanwhile, that trigger gets your friends pumped up and excited to be social. So same trigger, differing response. You want to recondition your mind around that trigger so you do not have that emotional response. So you have that trigger you identify, and then you expose yourself to that trigger so you can recondition your mind around it. This is the notion behind what is known as exposure therapy. So in exposure therapy, there is a belief that if you expose yourself repeatedly over and over and over to whatever causes a reaction, you'll gain immunity to it, which is Pretty rational, pretty reasonable. And exposure therapy is recommended for many things in life. Um, could be a fear of heights, could be uh, traveling to new places, it could be again, public speaking. So you keep on exposing yourself in little doses and keep ramping it up, keep amping it up until eventually you develop immunity to that. And that's one way you can uh, recondition your mind around that trigger. And The other way, I'm going to mention a bit later, but if you want to do exposure therapy, start with the littlest part of your fear, your trigger, and stand up against it. Don't let it push you around. Just If you have fear of public speaking, volunteer to speak at a uh, meeting in your company or volunteer for something like Toastmasters. And gradually over time that trigger will lessen itself. So that's the second one. Identify your triggers and make a plan to recondition your emotional response to them. The third one is to commit to this process. Before anything can happen, you have to commit to doing this work. And again, your brain doesn't want to change and it will resist change as much as possible. But you, the higher version of you, wants to self-actualize. That's going to create some conflict between you're physically between your prefrontal cortex and what is known as your amygdala um, and your uh, I believe it's the limbic system. So your prefrontal cortex is the seat of a rational thought. It's where it's responsible for planning, planning, strategizing, focus, everything that's related to self-discipline. Whereas your amygdala is the more primal part of your brain and the lower part of your brain or more primal part of your brain. Amygdala, especially your fear center, your limbic system is responsible for many different automatic responses. So it's going to be a tug of war between those things. And that's going to create some conflict. You're going to experience some friction in the form of mental dissonance, depending on the level of change you want to create. It's going to be less, sometimes it's going to be more. Be either way, you're going to have to be prepared for that. So you're going to have to have this higher version of yourself. Call the shots, not your lower fear-based version of this. So that requires self-discipline. So you've got to commit before anything else will happen. So the last one and the final one is to constantly feed your mind success. In order to do this work, you need to constantly be affirming and reaffirming who you want to be. Write it down. Take some time out of your day to visualize it. Make audio recordings. You want to create a barricade around your mind, around your consciousness, against all of this negative stimuli that's out there. And trust me, there is a lot of it out there, especially nowadays. Everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, someone is talking negatively. Somebody's, you know, being pessimistic, unnecessarily pessimistic. And if you don't fortify the walls of your mind you'll believe that nonsense exists in you as well. Because think about it. How many years have you spent, again, absorbing negative information that's just past the wall of your conscious mind? It's going to take quite a bit of reaffirming, positivity to yourself, to reprogramming. And I believe it was Tony Robbins who said he did vocal affirmations for hours a day, days on end, for many months or many, even many years. And I think he still does this in order to create... habitual peak state and you know it doesn't take looking around far to see that many people are not in a habitual peak or near peak state because they have not programmed themselves to be many people program themselves to be fearful depressed anxious and in low energy most of the time so that's an important aspect Constantly keep driving these things into your subconscious by repeating them over and over and over again. It doesn't matter how many times you had to do it, keep doing it until it sticks. And I also think it's worth mentioning here that I go more in depth about your subconscious in my upcoming course, Cornerstone. Cornerstone is a course designed to help you build a foundation centered around self improvement so you can take it and create your ideal life based around what you want to do not based around programmed, preconceived notions in your mind from the outside world. So if you want more details on that, those details will be in the description to this episode. So thanks for listening. I appreciate you. And I hope this was helpful to you. And I hope this helps you in your quest to reprogram yourself. So that's it. And until next time, always remember, program yourself positively. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and listening in. I truly appreciate your support and your attention. It means a lot. If you like this content, go ahead and like the content. Go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating. This will definitely help the show grow. And I truly appreciate your feedback. So until next time stay good, take care of yourself, take care of other people, and peace.